Hello and welcome to the Man On Podcast. I am Darren and joining me as always is Martin and Craig. How are you chaps? Yeah, good mate. Back in the land of the living after Glastonbury, just about. <laughs> I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, incredible. It always is. That's our, that's our ninth in a row. So yeah, oh. not, not, not bored of it yet. Big guns. Yeah, I did. The thing was ten or eleven in a row of Reading. So uh, yeah, I know what it's like. Yeah, it's exhausting, but worth it. And it gets more expensive. <laughs> hmm. Still a that. bargain though. Still a bargain though. Yeah, it is. Five days, it is still a bargain. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. Um, well, glad to have you back. Obviously, um, we were on here last uh, Monday, weren't we? We did a quiz, which Craig thumped us in, um, to be to be completely fair. Uh, so it's been, it feels like it's been too long. Although we speak pretty much every day, it feels like we haven't done this for too long. Um, but really, it's been a week and a week and a little bit. Um, how are you, Craig? Because you've said nothing. No, I'm just taking it all in. No, I'm in. A, I'm in a good mood. I feel like talking FPL. I'm getting kind of in that sort of frame of mind now that I kind yeah, of just want to get on with it for for this season. So the more we can start talking about things that might actually help for next season, um, and start talking about players. A lot of what we've talked about lately has been strategies and things like that. We haven't really discussed players yet. And although we obviously still don't have prices, there will be the chance tonight at least to talk a bit about players, which is quite exciting, I guess. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, we're going to start moving more into that now, talking about players who soon we might even have some prices for players. Who knows? So uh, it, it feels like we're getting ready. <laughs> we're getting ready. Um, I do. I do think just on that prices thing, though, um, I think I think you made the point, Craig, that it's good to start looking at some stuff like this before the prices come out so that we're not too influenced by it. You know, have an idea of, you know, who 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 do we actually want before we see the prices um so that that that's the idea so hopefully we're not jumping the gun too much then hopefully there's some advantage to having an idea of uh how how things might go without being influenced um already by the prices then the price will come out and there'll be a million difference between two players and then we'll change their minds right <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe we'll yeah see. that's it and we'll always go for the cheaper option to allow funds <laughs> elsewhere that's always the catch i've gone cheaper to allow the funds elsewhere that's what everyone says um, cool. So today we're, it's very simple. What are we learning from Arsenal heat maps from last season? Uh, and this is obviously the, the, the five nil, uh, home win against Wolves. Um, take it away, Craig. Yeah. So this is last third of the season. What we're going to go through on the next couple of slides is six fixtures from this year. So Wolves home and away, Southampton home and away and Newcastle home and away. And the reasons I've picked it. So Wolves and Southampton, obviously both towards the bottom of the table, Wolves, Quite an ineffective pressing team, didn't press all that highly. Southampton, despite being quite poor, I didn't think were particularly bad at pressing. So I wanted to see the difference between how Arsenal played at home and away against teams that pressed them and then pick a team near the top of the league where I, I, I thought that would they change it up again, Arsenal, when they're playing against opposition that they would maybe not expect to beat so convincingly. So we've got six games. There's a slight tactical tweaks in all of them. Um, slightly different heat map layouts in all of them. So I think there's enough here to start some healthy debate at least between the three of us about what we can maybe learn and move forward so on the screen now is obviously Wolves this was the last day of the season Arsenal won 5-0 um, for those that are listening on audio there's a little chart on the screen with goals assists XG shots on target and key passes for each player and the heat map um, for the fixture our Arsenal play I think this, this is one where 
for those that do listen on audio most often you may probably want to see the visuals for this one more than maybe in some other weeks where we've done pods because it does show quite a lot so we'll try and talk for it as best we can just in case you can't um view the screen so for, for this game Arsenal set up very differently in terms of their back four so they played Ben White at centre-back with Gabriel. They played Kiwior at left-back and Party inverted from right-back, which is obviously very different to how they normally set up. Um, Jorginho in the middle with Xhaka. And then Trossard played off the left instead of Martinelli. Um, Saka off the right and Odegaard behind Jesus. Um, and as you can see, it looks, if you just saw this in isolation, this one, it would look like Saka's by far the best asset, right? He's number seven on the, on the heat map. Not only a long way forward, um, but also pretty much around the penalty box all game. Um, Crossard very deep in comparison down the other side, barely over the halfway line for his average position. And I guess the other notable part is is Jesus, who's fairly deep, central, but near the sort of the edge of the centre circle, and Odegaard playing ahead of him. So again, Jesus the third furthest forward of the Arsenal players in this particular game, uh, and Saka. By far the highest. I don't know if this is influenced by the fact Arsenal had an inversion from the right side for this game, which is unusual. Um, in terms of the numbers, Saka did quite well, scored one, two shots on target, a key pass. Xhaka, despite quite a deep position, scored two goals from both his shots arriving late in the box. Uh, the highest XG quite comfortably as well. Um, steady games as well for Trossard and Odegaard. I think all five attackers, to be fair, numbers in whichever way you look at it are actually not too bad here. Um, I don't know what you two think. I say I've looked through this a little bit already. You two are probably looking at this a bit new. So I don't know what your first thoughts are. My yeah, first so thought is, sorry, go on, Martin. I was going to say my first thought, you just touched on it there, Craig, that because um, you've got party inverting from right back instead mm. of Zinchenko inverting from left back, that's going to have an influence on why Saka is so much further forward than Trossard, right? So games, games where Zinchenko is inverting from left back you'll see that left-sided player much further forward. So it's a good example of the importance of Zinchenko, right? No Zinchenko and that left-sided player is is way back. Do you think we can take this into other teams? So a lot of teams play this sort of inverted fullback now. Are we looking at wide players predominantly? You want the wide player on the side of the inverted fullback? You think it, I don't know, it's only one game of evidence here. But it, it makes sense, right? If the, if the fullback's inverting, he's going to be playing higher up. And so the winger in front of that fullback is naturally going to be playing higher up as well, I think. You know, we had the fullback and the winger standing next to each other. I don't know if there is something to maybe take away from that here that pick a winger would. Hopefully, you've got one in a minute where Zinchenko's playing and it will, it will, show, <laughs> will show us. That... We've, got, we've got six screens, so you, you think you're going to play in one of them as their first choice left back. But yeah, it, yeah, it's quite interesting in the sense that Arsenal don't really play this. This is quite unusual for them to have a left back that is part of the back three. Um, Jorginho again quite deep any any big thoughts on Jesus 0.34 XG in this game but say a little bit deep yeah I mean he tends to do that though doesn't he like he tends to roam you, you know he's not I wouldn't say he's an out and out striker he's just one of those guys that's obviously plays up front but you can always find him on the left wing dropping slightly deep to retrieve the ball so it's very hard to, to sort of give Jesus a, a thought when you look at the heat map here and see where he is. It doesn't surprise me um, at all, in all fairness. Things to keep yeah. your eye on moving forward. Obviously, I know what's coming next where you don't. Keep, keep your eye on trust. J Jesus, Odegaard 
and Xhaka and Trossard's positions are the, probably the four most notable and the right back. They're, they're probably the ones that may, may change and try to keep a vision in your head of where they are here. I'm not saying you can memory it player for player, but um, they're the positions I think they're probably most notable game to game here. So Saka is, without spoiling too much, not far off of where he tends to stay in most games. This is quite normal for him. But there is some changes in the other position. Saka's position does move a little bit. I'm not saying he's right up there all the time, but naturally he's quite high. Um, but there is some adjustments in the other positions here. So they're the things to sort of monitor from, from screen to screen here. Um, that's probably enough to go on for now. If we move on, then we can start maybe running some comparisons. So yeah, Wolves yeah. didn't really press them and maybe that allowed Arsenal to play quite high. Um, if we move on to the next one, which is Southampton, um, slightly different time of season. Obviously, we're looking at it Look at game state maybe a little bit here as well. Arsenal were losing in this game, I think. So maybe that influences positions of players because they're chasing the game a bit more to get back into it, where against Wolves, they was ahead and comfortable from fairly early stage. Yeah. Uh, but you'll see here, the only the two changes in this lineup. So Vieira played in the, the number eight role um, instead of Xhaka in this game. And Martinelli is playing ahead of Trossard in this game. And you'll see say, some quite big differences. Zinchenko is there. Um, inverting as number 35 on the screen. Ben White opposite him. Actually, you think with, with the left-back inverting, that you naturally think the right-back tends to stay in the deep line. Maybe we we don't really analyse the Ben White role very well. But I don't think it really stops him getting forward, even though you think he's got a bit more of, the, of a defensive job to do in that back three because Zinchenko's not there. Actually, in, the, in this game, he still had full licence to get forward. It might be interesting for Liverpool for this season moving forward because... It's the same with them with Trent inverting. You might naturally think Robertson is going to have to be a more defensive role to accommodate that. But it shows that Arsenal can still have both fullbacks getting forward, even if one inverts. So you could you could maybe compare what Robertson could be like this year in comparison to this Ben White role. But I guess, yeah, talk to me about what you see from these positions. That's the, the difference in defence, at least. Yeah, I mean, like you say, so Zinchenko's there. So now Martinelli is the left forward is much higher. Pep's just made a point in the chat about Martinelli might naturally be higher uh, because he likes to get people one-on-one anyway. Obviously, he wasn't in the Wolves graphic where Trossard was was deeper, so that's fair enough. Um, Jesus is still is still just about deeper than Saka and Martinelli, isn't he? Um, so, although his XG is, is higher, is much higher, isn't it? It's like three times as much as anybody in this game. Um and it was was it the highest in the in the Wolves game as well? So I think I, so I no, Jacker was, but that didn't that's matter. Was, but that's an anomaly, I reckon. <laughs> he wasn't far. He wasn't far behind, though, was he? So no. He, Jesus's positioning from these first two isn't isn't stopping him from being, you know, amongst the highest performers for XG, is he? Um, so yeah, I think that that stands out as well. Two, two more for so Saka and Odegaard. I don't think have really moved. I would say give or take, they're about the same. Yeah. The interesting one is the Vieira position. So we'll get on to it earlier about Kai Havertz. I think the gut feeling is that he's going to play in this left half space role that Xhaka played last year. Natural instinct for me is he's a more attacking player than Xhaka. Yes, and yeah. so, will, will, so will that work? Because Arsenal's number eight last year, which is where Xhaka played, had quite a lot of defensive responsibilities to help out. So will Arsenal ad- adapt this year and play... I'd be more like Man City because they played Gundogan in this role in their team and he still played quite high. And Man City found different solutions in how to help in the defensive phase to allow basically a full-on five-man attack. 
where Arsenal, I think, was still flitting between a four-man attack and Jacker, sort of as and when being the fifth man. Havertz, I don't know if he's got it in him to to play that role. So it'll be interesting for me, I think, for the start of this year, whether Arsenal play more like Man City and fully commit to like five attackers and then deal with maybe White will have to play more defensively to accommodate that or Junior or Timber or whoever else it's going to be as the right back for next year if they sign him. But this Vieira is most is a closer match to Havertz than what Xhaka is. And, and and this is where he ended up on the screen here, 21. So I would still expect Havertz to maybe be the deepest of the five based on this particular screen, if you're thinking about getting him in as your as your Arsenal attacker. It might not damage you that much, though, because as you've seen, have, uh, Jacker had really good numbers on the last slide, and Jesus has got good numbers on this slide, despite not being the most advanced. So it may not be that much of a hindrance, but... You'd expect Havertz to have that bit more attacking quality than Zaka as well, wouldn't you? Like, he'll, <laughs> he'll have a more, he'll have a more clinical... He'll have a more clinical final ball, slightly better finisher, um, all that kind of thing. So, so yeah, it still could be good, couldn't it? Uh, but I, th- I think Havertz's defensive qualities are maybe underrated as well. Um, he's played out of position at, at Chelsea, really, as centre forward, wasn't he? Um, so, I think he'd, he'd, be, he'd be quite good in that role. The other thing to take into account, if we think this is pretty close to Arsenal's best team here, Declan Rice as a as a number six instead of Thomas Party here. Party is back with the defenders. Yeah. I think Rice has got more mobility than Party. I think he's a bit more of a not necessarily a dribbler, but a ball carrier than Party. So I guess it's feasible as well just having Rice there. And if he plays that role, will just naturally drive Arsenal higher up the pitch because they can be a bit riskier because of his extra mobility and maybe the fact that he carries the ball forward may allow Arsenal to play a little bit higher as well. So I think you could probably push um, number five up on this heat map to a slightly higher position, maybe nearer to being in line with 21 if this was Rice. I think he would allow Arsenal to control games higher up the pitch just because of he gives other players a bit more freedom. I guess you could fa- you could phrase it like that. So th- this is maybe more in line with what I expect Arsenal to be like with Rice players to five slightly higher. If, if you look at Arsenal now at home, this heat map is probably... What I would expect to see the most often. As, as it's an opinion, not a fact, obviously, but this is what I'd be expecting, I think. Yeah. So but, so in this so in this example, you could maybe say, okay, well, it looks like this because they went behind early, but given the upgrades they've made or the new signings they've made, they might actually just look like this naturally. Yeah, maybe with Ben White or whoever the right back is, maybe dropping a bit closer to the halfway. I think that might yeah. change it. But the, the, the attacking five, I think, are probably about right. Um, the, the, the other thing to know is two two things for me is obviously they're looking at signing Timber, um, who is really really good at right back or centre back. In all fairness, um, and can invert to play <clears throat> to play uh, CDM. And the other thing about Rice, he is much more mobile than as you say than Party, and he can pick a pass really well as well. So that's another thing going in terms of going forward. Declan Rice is a great option there. Not only to uh, mop up if if they're on a counter, but also he could definitely make some key passes out wide, um, from from where he'll be position wise. Yeah. Just so just maybe, yeah. just for the stats here, Martinelli and Saka look at their key passes and involvement in this game as well. Just find these two higher positions. There's really high numbers from those two. Far more involved in general than Odegaard and, and Jesus in central positions. Just something to bear in mind. Eleven key passes between the two wide players, which is a pretty significant number, isn't it? Yeah. So far, you've put me off Jesus. 
That's, uh, uh, should we move to the next one? Yeah. yeah. So this is the famed nil-nil home to Newcastle. Um, <laughs> Arsenal battered them, I think, from memory and couldn't score. Um, a few dodgy penalty calls in this game as well. Um, but again, playing against a top half team, a fellow team chasing Champions League, would that change the way Arsenal set up? I guess it has a little bit. It's just a few players. It drops a little bit deeper, right? It's not... The, mm. the general lay of the land is quite similar, isn't it? White's deeper. All of the attackers, aside from Martin, have maybe dropped a couple of yards, but not significant. And Ketty is playing here over Jesus as well. Um, it's interesting that he's still deeper, even though it's in Cassio rather than Jesus. He's still deeper than Saka and Martinelli. It's the way they, yeah, I tell you, they drop, they drop the central guy deep, don't they? And then they try and flank, and then that's very obvious. And I mean, the great thing so far that we've seen is the last two Martinelli's pushed way up high, which we always knew anyway. Like Martin said, he gets one on one, and he he loves to push up high on the left, but. Saka's so consistent up on that right, isn't he, as like the first or second highest person. And the key passes for Saka's huge. But when you see who the, their opponent here, I would very much expect them to all be slightly deeper. Um, it looks very, obviously, very solid in terms of, uh, of a formation when you've got Newcastle coming on to you. Um, I, I would have, if you had said, if you had given me the heat map without the who it was, but and told me these are the people that could have been against, this is probably the heat map I would have said, yeah, this would be a Newcastle because you can tell they've sort of got rigid formation and dropped back. Still not the worst attacking numbers. Four of the five attackers, not in Ketia, but all the other four had three key passes each. So again, fairly spread. Um, XGs are fairly similar. Jacker uh, for the second time out of the three sides, had the, the highest XG. So maybe. Maybe this is something Arsenal have worked on. They need a, a more deadly attacker in this position because it's maybe a position where they can make more of something. Mm-hmm. They run into the box, isn't it, from deep? Maybe that player gets not maybe marked as closely and can, can sneak in. And I think that's what, what Havertz's kind of expertise is, if you want to call it. I think he's a bit of a, 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 a attacker of space. I think it's probably his best attribute almost. That he's, uh tends to be quite good at finding space and running into space. And if Arsenal got to get wide with two wide players playing high and maybe looking for a few more cutbacks and things like that for their goals, yeah. then maybe Havertz is the best person to have arriving on to, to finish those, if that's going to be his role, which is obviously very different to how he's been used to Chelsea. If, so, Craig, if, if you were to look at Xhaka's goals from last season, do you think a lot of them would have been, obviously he, obviously him alive, arriving late in the box, but do you think that would have mostly been up the left-hand side? Because from my recollection, most of his were up the left-hand side, Martinelli, and Martinelli would lay it back to Xhaka, um, and that's when he would finish. I, I definitely think potentially what you're saying there is absolutely right for Havertz. You know, Martinelli gets up high, run, runs a player, uh, and then cuts it back to the next person to him, which is, is going to be in the future Havertz, uh, which makes more sense. Um, I'd, like, I'd love to see the goals he scored and see if that's accurate. I didn't put it onto any of these slides, but I obviously shared in our group chat the other day a, a graphic from Statsbomb. Um, you can find it on Twitter um, to do with how each team most commonly build up. And I think Arsenal on that had quite a lot of build up down there, right? Often Saka maybe isolating someone one on one, getting towards the penalty box, laying it off to Odegaard sort of nearby. And then Odegaard maybe being the creative player. I think Arsenal probably build up more down there, right, um, than their left. So my gut feeling without say without knowing would be that most of the goals are probably Saka cutting it back to Xhaka. But 
So look, yeah, probably they're, they're probably both sides, isn't it? This it, you, yeah, I bet, I bet it's bloody even. I bet you it's like <laughs> four inch. Like, we've proved nothing. But yeah, this is this, so. This is all the three home games. I've, I've put all of some stats around all the home games on the next slide. Just before we get to that, any who are you looking at here as as the best asset based on what you've seen so far on these slides? Saka or Martinelli? Yeah, yes. Yeah, I think Saka feels like first name on the team sheet in a home game, doesn't it? From this, absolutely. Um, and then, and then, yeah, d- depends on team structure, doesn't it? It could be. I mean, I mean, Jesus's numbers are, are still good, aren't they? Despite his deep lying position, but he does tend to underperform his XG, doesn't it? So, 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 what do you go with? Do you go with Jesus, who tends to underperform his XG, or do you go with Martinelli, who is is maybe less nailed with like Trossard for minutes? So, I think it's a tough one. I think Saka first name on the team sheet, then Martinelli or Jesus, and then. And then maybe a then well, yeah or a defender depending on how you're setting up. Like when 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 the season finished, and I and we started to look at data and things, the first thing I thought to myself like I would go definitely stay with Saka next year, but Odgaard tempts me quite a lot as well. And he, I mean he had a fantastic season, and he's obviously bound to probably be cheaper than Saka. Now Havertz could be cheaper than all of them, <laughs> so you know. What do you what do you do? And 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 as we've discussed, I don't think you pe- you spend sixty five mil on a guy to to not sort of play the majority, especially when it comes to home games. So, you know, do you do you maybe go for the lesser player in terms of Havertz price wise because he's going to be less than Saka and and Martinelli and probably Odegaard, isn't he? Let's be fair. Let's just hope he's a midfielder first and foremost. Because I mean, if he's if he's not, they've made a huge mistake because no one is picking him. <laughs> No one's That's the big question mark with Havertz is will they sacrifice him in tougher away games where they may want a more disciplined eight or someone a bit more defensive minded? You think away games against the top eight might be those sort of games, but you think they'd play Havertz in the home games, wouldn't you? Well, the, um, the only other thing they could do, Craig, now obviously Arteta learned from Pep. So the other thing they could do is what Man City used to do and have no out and out striker. They could play Havertz central in the sort of let's say cam role with no known striker and have the two running outside of him there's definitely that opportunity considering he hasn't been that effective in that role at chelsea i think Arsenal would be a bit foolish to use him in the way chelsea did wouldn't they I, yeah, yeah i mean <laughs> i mean they, they they kind they kind of would but i mean he was asked more to be a, a striker than a than that role itself but i think if they said you know play there and and drop back again a little bit you know i i i Maybe that's what they'll think about. I don't know. Um, it's definitely something he could he could do. Maybe it would. Maybe it doesn't work for Chelsea. Maybe it would work for Arsenal. If obviously the players around you make a big difference. And how much territory you have? Chelsea didn't really hold the ball and have big territory in the opposition's final third the same way Arsenal do. Maybe have that to be more effective in a team that exactly. just generally has more ball in in that area of the pitch. Um, We're talking ourselves into Havertz. <laughs> yeah, maybe we are. Maybe we are. <laughs> Martin's not convinced. I'm less convinced. Yeah, yeah. yeah so next think, screen, Darren. Is, yep. Um This all is also across all home games now. So we've looked at three heat maps, and these are the total stats for all of Arsenal's home games. I've done it per ninety minutes because obviously some players would have played more games than others. Uh, more than that, um, that would have influenced the data. So big lessons first of all: goals per game at home. Saka and Martinelli completely even. Um, XG per game at home. Jesus is a long way ahead. 
0.87, which is up there probably in top three or four in the league. I think Havert, uh, um, Havertz Haaland last year was about one. So someone at 0.87, that would be higher than Harry Kane would have been for most of last season, for example, I think, for, for Jesus. So that's what his XG is. Um, chances created, Odegaard behind Saka and Martinelli. Interesting, you have Odegaard earmarked as the chief creator of the team, but in terms of creating chances at home, he's behind both of Saka and Martinelli. Um, I think it probably does lend itself to me that Saka's probably the best home player. His goals with Martinelli's even, he's more likely to get assists, his XG's higher. Shows how much Martinelli overperformed his XG, right? XG of 0.1 at home and he got a 0.59 goals. So big overperformer yeah. at home, Martinelli. Hmm. Where Saka's more in line, takes penalties, as you said before, more nailed Good and point. best for chances created. He's the most rounded, isn't he, of the home players, Saka, I think. But Jesus has got potential for goals if he can be a bit more prolific. That's interesting, that. Cool. Yeah. I think Jesus, Jesus will be one of those players where he'll score he'll score like six goals in five weeks or something won't he then he'll go quiet for a bit I think um, when everyone jumps on him <laughs> yeah right that's that's all the home stuff we've got the same again really for the away games so we'll go through the same three again obviously look at it the other way around this time I saw attacking the opposite end um, so away to Wolves they won 2-0 um, and slightly different here so I say this is Arsenal's main 11 it's the first time I've actually seen that front five together, I think, in any of these slides so far. And um little sort of get ahead. Those this front five now plays all of these three away games. So you can get a bit more commonness around who's playing where. So it's a, the, the first choice front five as I would call it. This game, Odegaard got both the goals, um, three shots on target. Saka still no X an XG of zero, believe it or not. He did make three key passes though for others. So Saka and Marcelin nowhere near as involved for expected goals. Um, Jesus doing similar things to what he was doing in the home games. And Odegaard coming more to the forefront, even though his average position is around about the same again as what he was at home, right, for Odegaard? Maybe even a little touch deeper. Mm. Yeah, um, deeper. But just generally more involved. Possible reason just to talk some nonsense for a minute. I guess Arsenal maybe don't dominate the game quite as much in away games. So when Arsenal do just pen the opposition back into the final third, maybe they are looking at Saka and Martinelli for one-on-one, 1v1 skills to make something happen, beat a player and cut a ball back. In these games, there may be a bit more space if Arsenal don't have all the ball and all the territory. So maybe that's just that little bit more space and means that Odegaard becomes more into his own a bit more, maybe a bit more reliance on long-range shooting um, because they're not dominating the game quite so much. There's something to bear in mind, I guess, is some possible reasons for it. Um but yeah, Jesus again, very deep here. Um, yeah, Jacques has pushed quite high there, really, isn't he? That's an anomaly. I can't find a really valid reason why he's one moved over slightly more to the right side, or at least central. From the they are flooding that right side a little bit, aren't they? On this one, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've got, you got to also think about the op- the the, op- the um, opposition. Yeah, yeah, was he just tr- was he just trying to like chase Neves around or something like that? I mean, it could be <laughs> yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, they're always going to be slightly stronger down one side because they probably attack down that side because the opposition is weaker, for instance. Um, you never know, do you? But uh, yeah, I can understand that. Nothing, yeah, major say Marcelli is a maybe a deeper than I expected him to be. I still thought he'd maybe be the big outlet, uh, in away games where there's maybe a bit more emphasis on counter attack, but he's not especially high here. We haven't got it on any of these slides, but I saw in the Brighton game, um, he was a long way advanced of anyone else, um, Martelli. So I, I still think he is their main 
sort of release if they're under the cost, it might be significant in the, the bigger away games against the top half teams where maybe they even have less. They, I think it's Brighton at about 35% possession from memory when Brighton just dominated the ball. But they used Martinelli as the outlet for that game. But yeah, this one, Odegaard may be more involved than he was at home. He's probably the big takeaway from this. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next one. Yeah, next one. So Southampton. Um, it's Tommy Asu at left back this time, doing quite a good job at inverting the same way Zinchenko normally would. Maybe a lesson for Arsenal this year. We obviously saw in the very first slide that Party was inverting from right back. I think he's a bit of a forgotten man, Tommy Asu, but they've actually got someone already that can invert from right back if they want to use that formula. He seems to have done an okay job doing it here. A um, bit more compact, isn't it? The, the team set up here. Saka for the first time is quite deep here. Um, yeah. Almost in line with everyone else, which is, I think, the first time we've seen that. Odegaard actually crept up to be the second most advanced player in this game behind Martinelli. And again, his numbers are probably the most like catching four key passes. Um, decent game for Xhaka again. Funny how under the radar he went Xhaka as an asset. Too many of these little tables. He's actually had quite good numbers, Xhaka. He's, he's, so it's, it's an interesting sign for Havertz. Um, again, the, again, the main takeaway probably again is Saka and Martinelli's XG under 0.1 again for the second away game run. You, you think those two would still be involved, but both of them, I think Saka had zero in the last game and 0.07 here. And Martinelli's yeah. about 0.04 in both. So those aren't especially impressive, are they? Martinelli's not even getting any key passes or assist potential really either. He looks uh, oh, uh, that was rubbish. almost a bit of a dead asset in these two away games in this small sample. Yeah, he absolutely does. I mean, I, I, I'm looking at Jesus. Jesus' number is really consistent on that XG, isn't it? Yeah, he, he gets... It is still their main player to attack the penalty box, right? He's obviously doing a bit more defensive work, sort of helping out and maybe getting involved in link-up play and things like that. And his job, a bit like other teams, the Liverpools with Firmino, Real Madrid, when Benzema played with Ronaldo, the centre-forward does drop to create space in behind and try and drag the defenders up and the wide forwards can then run into that, that space that's been vacated. So I think he's got that role to a point, Jesus, not maybe quite to the level that Firmino used to do it for Liverpool, but... I'm not surprised to see him quite so deep, but there is still an emphasis on him attacking the box. So he will still get chances, Jesus. It's just he's not very clinical. And <laughs> like, it can be very frustrating as an FPL asset if you keep seeing your player have three shots every game and keep missing them. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that speaks some men of, men of uh, yeah. You know. Um, move on. Yep. So that's two. And then the last one, Newcastle, obviously quite a famous game near the end of the season. Um, Jorginho, man of the match, played really well. Very interesting here how deep everyone is. Five players inside their own half for us, including Xhaka, 34. So this is what I was saying earlier. Well, I, I can't imagine Havertz playing this role. No. I can't imagine his average position being back there. So we'll ask to have a different solution. Will they play Rice as the left half space eight in this game and play party with him or Jorginho with him? Because I think Rice has got the capability to play as an eight. Not his strongest position, but for tough away games or even tough home games, they may decide to play Rice in that role and use him as like a second double pivot almost. Um, clear clear line break here between defence and attack for the first time. Really, There's a big gap between the, the back six in this case and the, the front four, isn't there? Um, and again, Odegaard, another away game, was by far the standout player here. Yeah. Um, he obviously was remembered for scoring the long-range opener, but ran the game basically, three assists. From the same sort of um, average position again, his position hasn't really moved. The three home games, he was quite similar. Where he is now, but slightly higher. The three away games, he's been quite similar. But 
even though it's a bit deeper, he's generally a bit more involved. A little bit of um, involvement for Saka and Martinelli as well for the first time um, in an away game, just to make it tricky for us. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, still, this, this is gone yeah. mine. I was going to say it's still uh, it's still you know lower than the home games, isn't it? I know I know it is, yeah, it is a small sample, but um, but yeah, there, there is a stark difference, isn't there, between Saka and Martinelli home and away, and Odegaard home and away. Jesus is a little bit more consistent through the piece, um, obviously a little bit lower away, but still in comparison to the others, he's fairly consistent, isn't he? Home or away? So, yeah. If we go on, we'll do the, the overall chart for all the away games. Why not? Um, and I guess the main takeaway here is probably Odegaard, which is no surprise, top for chances created. I think he's virtually not far off what Saka was in home games. A long way ahead for their shots on target. He's also the best. He has more shots on target per 90 minutes Absolutely. than any other Arsenal attacker, which is maybe unexpected. Yeah. Um, XG's just behind Jay. A lot tighter though. Jesus not nowhere near as far ahead. Jesus on away away games for shots and targets, poor, isn't it? And then Saka still marginally ahead of Odegaard for assists, despite creating less chances. Maybe that could be some variance there. And obviously Odegaard better for the goals. So this is clear to me that Odegaard is by far the most useful away player here. And having Havertz around is probably only going to make him better because it's one extra player with more goal for it, isn't it? And his mm-hmm. role in the team really is to create. So having another attacking player that with a stronger chance of scoring goals is only going to help his creative numbers, you would think. Um, but I think that's my main takeaway from putting this together. Not that I'd ruled out Odegaard as, a, as an option, but I would have probably comfortably had him as third choice behind the two wingers. Now, I think he's almost on level with Saka for me. Because if you're in an Arsenal midfielder, right, you're going to want to play him in all the games. Yeah. Did he miss is a game last year? He didn't, did he? Pardon? He didn't miss a game last year, did he, Odegaard? No, does Havertz? I think they they will want to give Vieira more minutes. I think he has got some developing to do, and he wants to play in that role as well. Smith Rowe's obviously back on the scene, doing well for England on the twenty ones right now. As much as people maybe view him more as a, a wide left player when he competed there with Martinelli when the other year, I think his best position is the other guard position. So maybe he'll have minutes in that role. They've obviously got the opportunity to play Havertz in that role as well, and then find a different solution as the six and the eight. For certain games, so maybe he will be rotated a bit more this year. Saka is still the one comfortably whose minutes are most secure, I think, of all the yeah. other Is that enough to pick yeah. him? No penalties and the most secure minutes. Maybe it is. Um, I think I think well, I've been put off Martinelli though from from all these sides. I don't think uh, he's comfortably third choice now for me of the the midfielders. Yeah. So if you've got if you've got Saka and Odegaard, you've effectively got the best home player and the best away player. Yeah. Um, whereas if you Whereas if you've got Saka and Martinelli, you've got two good home players. Well, you've got the best home player and another really good home player, but that is more of a minutes risk maybe, um, and whose numbers do drop off a little bit away from home. So for so for balance, I mean we've talked in previous pods about scoring consistently, right? How many how many bad weeks can you afford? Um, how many average weeks do you need? All that kind of thing. If you've got the best home player and the best away player, then maybe that's the right answer. If you want to have two midfielders who are probably going to be priced, what are they going to be? Nine million ish? Yeah. It's probably <laughs> nine no, it won't be easy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it won't be easy. That's 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 probably why you're going to want a defender with it this time, aren't you? You're probably not going to be able to have three attackers. But 
Should we go on, Darren? There's a couple more slides to go through. One is, I like this reminding in the pod we did last week around uh, your notes. Your notes. So this is what I thought the main talking points were. You may disagree and want to make your own notes, but these are the three things I sort of um, settled on. Marcelli is slightly better for average position at home, but Saka's XG is a bit better. Jesus very high XG at home, but underperforms it, which we've spoken about. And the midfielder in the eight role, Xhaka last year, probably Havertz most often this year, is more involved than average position suggests. I wouldn't put you off having him in home games, um, Havertz. If he comes in like two million less than others, um, especially for a short burst of games, he could easily justify that. Um, so he is one. I wouldn't completely put him off the shortlist, Havertz, but the fact he's new means he may not come straight into the team for game week one while they sort of embed him into the squad, things like that. And if we're going to wildcard to a game week six, game week eight time, I think we might as well just wait and let see what happens and get some learnings from the first six, eight weeks before we really consider Havertz. Um, and I say there's a risk, I think, in, in the big games as well, whether they want a more disciplined date than him. And then away, um, Odegaard comfortably the standout performer. Um, Jesus far less involved than Martinelli's probably ahead of Saka for, for goal potential. So I don't know if this has really helped a great deal. I think it, say, the Odegaard numbers, I think, surprised me the most and certainly put him higher up my shortlist is probably my main takeaway from this. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's no, it's, it's, it's good. And it and again, trying to link it back to previous pods we've done this summer, thinking about not creating problems for yourself, you know, starting with things that you can rely on um, and all that kind of thing. It definitely helps with that, doesn't it? Because it makes it, it really clarifies just how good Saka and Odegaard are um, for, for for a number of reasons, and it also highlights why Havertz will be a little bit risky. Um, you know, it highlights why Martinelli maybe isn't as good as the other two. Um, so, I think I think that's really useful. Yeah, and Jesus. <laughs> Jesus to say, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a difficult one, isn't it? Because we we sometimes struggle for centre forwards in FPL, don't we? So, I mean, who knows? Like, I mean, like I say, I think, I mean, I know we're going to come on to the opening fixtures in a minute, but he is, you know, from the from those home numbers we looked at, he is a player where you're not you wouldn't be surprised if he scored six or seven in in the opening home, five home games, right? Really, not really, um, but you know, we can also see why. He had patches where he was a lot quieter last season, can't we? From from what we've just looked at, so I think it's uh, he could be a patchy player again. We'll see. If you're on him at the right, if you if you're on him at the right time, he could be great. I was going to say that's exactly it. The right time, whatever we pick, will be the wrong time. If you move on the screen, Darren, so we've got the early fixtures up. So the first nine game weeks here of Arsenal, and quickly they've got three home games in the first four, and. We haven't really spoken about this yet. I'm sure we will before the season starts around in game week one, covering price points. Um, just so you, you've got more flexibility to move around in case someone you haven't got does really well. And I think there's quite a lot of people eyeing up like Haaland, Evan Ferguson and Brian Bruno as their three strikers for game week one. Perfectly fine um, set up. But making up some numbers, let's say Haaland's about 13 million. I think in Bromo and and Ferguson will certainly not be more than seven. They may even be like 6.5 or six. So if you end up with a balance of 13 million, 6.5 and 6 million, you've, there's a lot big pool of strikers there in the sort of the 8 million range. If one of them gets an absolute flyer and you want them, you're not going to be able to get to very. So I think there's an argument you might want price points covered, Haaland plus an 8 million plus a 6 million. So Jesus would be quite an optimum striker that may cover that 
ground for you. So we've just seen how good his home numbers are. You could have him for the first four weeks, get three home games out of him, get a nice price point covered, and then make a decision around game week five if you want to move off to someone else who's around 8 million, 8.5 or something, that then runs into good games. Or as we can see, you can keep him, keep Jesus for the first seven. And it's, it's not the end of the world. So I'm not going to discount him for the start because he may be the best option of those sort of middling strikers, unless he comes in at like 9.5 or something. I don't think FPL would do that, but that's obviously too high. But if he's around 8 million, 8.5, I'm struggling off the top of my head to think of someone I'm probably going to want any more than him who's, who's likely to be in that price bracket. He says with his Aston Villa shirt on. <laughs> what yeah, uh, we haven't got good games, Villa, to what do you think Ollie no. Watkins for 8 million as well? <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's the first nine weeks on there. I put it on there. I wanted to include the Man City and Chelsea games in 8 and 9. I spoke on that other pod I did that you might want to think about wildcarding around game week 8 for that reason that the teams you want for the first seven weeks all seem to have sort of iffy fixtures around game week eight and nine. So it gives you a chance to sort of get them all out at once, um, or at least get a considerable number out, out at once. So just to highlight that, um, I also put a little sort of style guide on there, how I think each team will play against Arsenal in case that can be helpful. Say so I might not be 100% accurate with that, but that's how they played last year. I don't see tactically why teams would change all that much. Um but yes, one of, one of the teams Arsenal needs to start with three home games in the first four, which might be quite notable and maybe a reason to start with maybe Saka and Jesus and then consider maybe moving to Odegaard when you, if you get all your Arsenal players out in game week eight for a couple of weeks, then decide you want them back in again, 10 or 11. Maybe then you move to Odegaard when you transfer one back in after your wildcard, but start with a Saka or a Martinelli for those those strong one of home games to start with. Mm. It's probably my take at the minute. Cool. Yeah, no, I agree. I think um, when when you know if if Sacco comes out the most expensive of the lot, I think I'm clear in my mind now that 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 is that will be worth it with everything we've just looked at, and with these opening fixtures, he he is the standout, isn't he? Um, mm. Massively. So, I don't know what the price differences will have to be. We had it with Salah and Mane before. They tried to price Mane up at like two million less than Salah to try and make him. A viable alternative. What do you think they would have to do FPL with the Arsenal mids to sort of put you off Saka for one of the other ones? Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if you think like or Son ten point five. Yeah, I was thinking of Son being way too expensive. Like he's 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 still going to be like less than Son, isn't he? You would think because um, FPL just don't tend to make that dramatic changes like that, do they? Unless somebody's really, really fallen off a cliff or really, really gone crazy. So I can't see him being a price that would put me off. He probably would have to be ten for me to. But even then, I think I'd probably still have him with this with these opening fixtures. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, <laughs> the first five are fantastic, aren't they? Really, you could argue six and seven. We're saying what you will play, right? Hmm. Yeah, I suppose if like, I don't think there will be this big difference. But if, I think Saka would have to be like two million more than everyone else for you to. I'd put it in my head, Saka will be about 10. Martinelli might be nine. But again, mm. a million is probably not enough, right? To... I think you'd still go try and you do your best to go with Saka, wouldn't you? I think. How are we fitting all these premiums in? It ain't going to happen. No, it won't. It won't. Yeah. And, and, Harrison and Reed. Brighton. Yeah, Harrison Reed. All, all the Brighton, <laughs> all the Arsenal midfielders are going to be more expensive. All the Brighton midfielders are going to be more expensive. Uh, yeah, all, all the Newcastle defenders are going to be more expensive. It's uh, Yeah, it's not going to be easy. Oh, why do we do it? 
Um, move on. Uh, that, that's the last one. I don't know if you. Oh, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Excellent. Uh, is that that it then? We wrap. I was going to say, did we have any? Did we have any questions? Like, I didn't see. I didn't. I didn't ask for questions to be honest, because it was such a specific topic. Yes, yeah, um, but obviously, if there's Arsenal fans uh, or, or anybody really, if you've listened to that and you've got uh, any other opinions, then um, you know, comment under the video. Let us know what you think, uh, or comment on the YouTube. Uh, do interact with us. Like, follow, subscribe. All of that stuff all helps our algorithms um thanks to everybody that's um subscribed lately we have we've picked up a, a decent chunk of yeah. new subscribers and followers from the summer stuff that we've done um if it's the first time you've watched us uh we have done three other three three or four other summer four. summer pods um so have a look through the through the listings and um uh, yeah we hope you stick around i guess yeah definitely stick yeah. around <laughs> <laughs> Um, just a comment, if you look at the screen at the minute and, and our four sort of cartoony images, Martin is not the guy in the yellow t-shirt in the uh, cartoony images. Just thought I'd make that clear. Because <laughs> looks like my, my, basically Martin had a skinhead in the uh, cartoony images and now he's got longer hair. <laughs> no, no, that's not me. That's I'm comparing the picture of Thomas in the like, follow, subscribe image to Martin actually tonight. I think there could be a... Oh, I see, because they're wearing the same top. Right. A yellow top, I should say. Because i got yellow on, yeah. yeah. All right, that's fair enough. I've confused the hell out of me. Like, what? <laughs> um, cool, yeah. I reiterate everything Martin says. That was uh, that was good, Martin. Um, and yeah, thank you to everyone who has subscribed recently. There has been a large amount in the last in the last couple of weeks, so uh, that's good. And we, had, and we had a decent number watching us tonight as well, actually. Um, so that was always nice to see and thank you for joining us this evening um we'll be back next week um craig just very quickly next week are we doing another one of these for a different team essentially yeah i think i'd I like to do like the top six if i can get there whether we'll have enough weeks to do all six um obviously it depends when the game launches right i don't think if the game launches before next monday it would make sense to do a pod on something around the game launch rather than another one of these but if we're still waiting next Monday night and there's no launch, then it ain't going to release. We'll probably cover Man City, I would imagine, but maybe a bit differently. There's different dilemmas with Man City, isn't it? Arsenal, they've got so many attackers that are all kind of similar. Um, Man City, I think we need a different way to look at their heat maps because I don't think there's any argument about you want Haaland. Um, and there's not really, I don't think you really want to. So we'll have to have a discussion amongst ourselves what we think is the most useful stuff to, to know about in terms of Man City heat maps because it might not be the same as what it was for Arsenal. I think Arsenal made sense to compare the attackers, didn't it? Yeah. Might be different for, for Man City and other teams. Absolutely. We will discuss, but uh, we will be back next week with another pod, whatever that may be. <laughs> I think um, the game might be launched by next Monday. I say that optimistically. But you said when you say next Monday, do you mean the Monday coming? Oh, it's not Monday today, is it? <laughs> no. It's, it's yeah, Thursday. Maybe. I'm thinking they're not going to release it tomorrow. We've had no price reveals or anything, so it's definitely not no, going to be out by maybe. Monday. <laughs> yeah, I've got my days mixed up. I don't know why I thought it was Monday. I've been at work for three to four days. This I was week. about to say. <laughs> yeah, forget this week ever happened. Um, cool. All right, well, we will be back next week with another pod because the game won't have launched. <laughs> All good? Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.